The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. What a way to start the weekend. Bowling Green, a huge win on Saturday over the Miami Redhawks. That is a rivalry win. And it keeps Scott Leffler's job safe for right now. While Michigan and Toledo get the job done, and Ohio State was on the bye. We get back, they get back into the swing of things this week. So does Michigan get a bye? Toledo has a, a date. And Bowling Green is going chippy. But Rocky Top, you'll always be home sweet home to me. Good old Rocky Top. Woo! Rocky Top, Tennessee. Tennessee upsets Alabama. And Notre Dame falls to Stanford. The Browns are dead. They're absolutely dead. We'll talk about them. The Lions are on a bye and now get ready to head down to Big D, to Jarrett World, to take on Dak Prescott. And them boys, we'll see if they are them boys this weekend. Jackets have struggled in the first three. Gets the huge win on Tuesday night against Vancouver. They're playing as we're talking tonight. We'll discuss it all. And the first look of the National Hockey League's reverse retros. You'll hear my opinion on that. Toledo looks decent. As the Walleye begin their march to the Kelly Cup starts this weekend in Wheeling. And WWE returns to Toledo as Friday Night SmackDown comes to the Huntington Center. Yeah, I'm going to be there. But the question is, when is AEW going to be coming to Toledo? We'll discuss that. And so much more tonight on this Thursday Night Edition. We're a few moments away from kickoff. But, of course, like I said, their jackets are on. They're losing right now to Nashville 1-0. The Hicks with sticks. It's time to start all Andy Elford right now on the Anchor Network. Guess who's back? All Andy Elford. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span. I'm going to get shut out. And with that I say oh, I love you guys and welcome into another edition of all Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me. And that is with the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher. However you are listening, wherever, whenever, and however you're listening. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for giving me your time and your effort to listen to what is happening in the sports world. 
as well as what's happening in my everyday life. You can be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElfred. It is at AllAndyElfred as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElfred. And welcome into tonight's show on this, the 20th day of October 2022. Lots to get into tonight, of course. The jacket's underway at Nationwide Arena in the Arena District as they are taking on the Nashville Predators tonight. And as I just am talking, Ryan Johansson, the former Blue Jacket, puts it past Elvis Merz-Lincolns. It's now 2-0 Nashville. We'll get into what's been happening with the Jackets lately. Struggling as of late. We'll get into that. Also, we'll talk a little bit about the Toledo Walleye as the opening night rosters have been set. They will head now to Wheeling. For their start of their season, they won't return back until November. It'll be the first weekend in November, November fifth, as they'll welcome in the Cincinnati. They will welcome in the Cincinnati Cyclones. Also tonight, we will dive into, of course, pro wrestling coming in to Huntington Center t- this weekend, as it will be WWE's SmackDown Live is coming to the Huntington Center. We'll preview that for you guys that it will be taking place tomorrow night. Also, we'll hear the Week 7 recap in, in uh, preview Week 7 in the National Football League. And the Browns are dead, folks. We'll talk about that as well. So, like I said, you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. And welcome into the show. Let's get right into it, of course, as the Jackets are playing right now, like I mentioned before. Let's talk about this past weekend. Bowling Green, and we'll talk about the team. We're first going to talk about talk about the team out of Wood County. Bowling Green played an absolutely good game. Good game. I'm not going to say the best game. A really good game. And to be honest with you, Bowling Green, I felt Bowling Green played very, very well in the second half of this football game. Their defense really stood out, stood tall. They played extremely well. I, I thought that this game, the second half of this game, was the clicking point for this offense. Now, last week when we when I last left you, Bowling Green's offense was in peril. They looked absolutely embarrassed. And Wednesday, what we were told from Scott Leffler Wednesday, from somebody in the staff, and you'll hear it in his post-game comments, he went off on the players. He went off on coaching staff. And uh, I went off on coaching staff as well, too, Saturday. I was at Dwight Perry Stadium for the game on Saturday afternoon as Bowling Green took on Miami, Ohio. Got to give a shout-out to Brooke Strozier for the ticket for set from Saturday's game. Uh, she hooked me up for the ticket. I sat around the 25-yard line, watched the game, and it was a, you know, for me, I had a good vantage point for a lot of plays. And uh, like I said, the coaching staff that sit in the press box walked right past me. And I turned around and shouted at them, discipline, discipline. And it, it was, they, they had a hard time with the discipline. They really did. And here's why I say that. Because in the opening drive of the game for Miami of Ohio, they drove down the field. They didn't drive down the field. It was really not them driving down the field. It was the penalties that drove them down the field. Bowling Green had them dead to rights 
on their first possession. On their first possession, ladies and gentlemen. On their first possession. Had them dead to rights. Dead to rights. Set it up for a third. It was setting up for a third and 14 with two sacks taking place. And then the dead ball penalty happened. Unnecessary roughness. 15-yard penalty. And then a personal foul on sportsmanlike conduct on the defense. Which turned into 30 yards. 30 yards of offense from the from the Miami 13-yard line to the Miami 45. Absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Couldn't believe it. They did hold him to only three points. I will be get, I will be gracious of that. As the Colson 41-yard kick in the first quarter make it 3-0 after the first period of play. Bowling Green had possession. Three and out. Another three and out for Miami. Three and out. Three and out. And then Bowling Green gets the football. Drives it down the field. Has an opportunity to go ahead and get the lead, and they do. As Harold, Harold Jr. gets the one-yard run, makes it 7-3 Bowling Green. And I'm saying to myself, okay, okay, I like this. I like that we're up 7-3, but not even right before the end of the first half, Miami gets the football off of a bad turnover by Matt McDonald. Miami gets the football, gets a 19-yard pass. Miles Marshall from Avion Smith. Nicholson kicks it up right. And at the first end of the first half, it's 10-7. I'm saying to myself, okay, we are sitting okay for right now. We're sitting okay for right now. I will take it. Third quarter happens. Bowling Green gets the kickoff and immediately turns it over on the kickoff. Drops it. And I said, oh, no, here we go again. Here we go again. Luckily, it was only three points. The defense got there, stood, up, stood their ground, stood up, got it done. As Graham Nicholson only was gave them a field goal, made it 13-7. to I said to myself, okay, Bowling Green, all they need to do is you know get a touchdown. They get the football, a long drive for Bowling Green. Gets them only three points on the board as Mason Laura kicks a 22-yard field goal. Makes it 13 to 10. And then the defense stood its ground. The defense stood up and held on to it. They stood up. And they did a really good job. Gives the football back to the offensive side of things. And then Bowling Green capitalizes as Terion Keith gets a 19 yard run. And he ran through the pocket really, really well. Found the open holes and just zip, zip, zip into the end zone. For a 19-yard run, Lawler kicks it. It's 17-13. But here's the kicker. A lot of me was thinking, oh, boy, here we go. You know, this is this is the typical Bowling Green way. Bowling Green always seems to find a way to blow this game no matter what the situation is. No matter what the situation is. And what happens? The defense stood tall. The defense found a way. And they... 
stood on a fourth down, held them to one, held them, held that defensive line, did not make them go to a fourth down, made them go down to a fourth and five, ran, fourth and seven, run it down. The quarterback, the quarterback Avion Smith was short of the line of game by a yard. Turnover on offense, turnover to the offense of Bowling Green, and Bowling Green shut it down. They got the football, shut it down, and closed it out for a huge 17-13 win, saving Scott Leffler's job for the moment, for the moment, and BG with the big win for the overall stats in this game, the box, overall box score. Smith, 9 for 17, 91 yards, 1 TD, his QBR rating of a 19.8. He also ran the football more 14 times for 55 yards. Shelton, 6 carries, 22 yards of the game. For Miami, it was Walker with 3 catches for 45 yards. Marshall, 1 catch, 19 yards for him. For Matt McDonald in the game, he was 16 for 29. And here's the problem I have. McDonald... The, the, when he throws the football, he is zipping that football right to the wide receivers. And the, the wide receivers are there. They're wide open. The problem is, they're bracing for the hit. They're bracing for the strong hit. And they're racing very, very hard. And for me, seeing that, you know, and they what that turns into is that they're bracing for the hit and immediately dropping the football, which is making it an incomplete pass. For me, if you know you're going to get hit, you catch the ball, bring it in, and immediately fall down to your knees. Because if you are in, you're down, you're, you know you're going to be down, bring it in, fall to your knees. If you get hit, there's a good possibility you could get hit with a penalty. There's a strong possibility that you could get hit with a penalty. The, the opposition could hit, be hit with a penalty. So bring it in. And it's always those back feet steps that you think that, you know, somebody's right behind you. That somebody's right behind you, you're going to get you. And that is not the case. That was the case on Saturday. Bowling Green had so many drops. But Matt McDonald, 16 for 29 for 149 yards. No TDs, one interception. He has QBR rating of 33. Patterson, the leading rusher, at 18 carries for 94 yards. Uh, like I said, uh, Finn Jr., two carries, 25 yards, one TD. Keith. Four catches, twenty four carries, twenty one yards, one TD. Bolden had three catches for forty two yards. Lewis three catches, twenty eight yards, no TDs. Finn Jr. two catches, twenty five yards, no TDs in the game. The overall team stats looked like this for our Bowling Green State University Falcons. The Falcons had twenty one first downs to Miami's ten. Bowling Green on third down was six for fifteen. They were a perfect two for two on fourth down. Miami six for fifteen on third down, zero for one on fourth down. The Bowling Green Falcons had 325 total yards of offense, 149 through the air, uh, 149 through the air, 176 on the ground. For Miami, they had a total of 189 total yards of offense, 91 through the air, 98 on the ground. Eight penalties for 85 yards for the Bowling Green State University Falcons. Uh, six penalties, 60 yards for the Miami Redhawks. The Falcons had two turnovers in the game, one fumble and one interception. The fumble at the kick return, the interception was in the end zone. McDonald should not have even thrown that football. Should have ran it in himself. He had the opportunity, and he couldn't capitalize on that. One inter fumble for Miami. It was recovered by Bowling Green. Bowling Green led it in the possession at 32 minutes and 55 seconds. Miami, 27 minutes and 5 seconds. 
So BG now with the win goes down to three and four. Miami with their losses now three and four keeps it into the division race for BG, and they are still in the hunt for the MAC East Championship. We now turn it over to Scott Leffler and his post game comments for the Miami Miami game, and uh, hear what Scott had to say. He brings a lot back into uh, what happened the previous week against Buffalo, and he also dives into you know what he saw overall for the week with his team. So here is our head coach, Scott Leffler, with the post-game comments after the big win over the Miami Redhawks, 17-13. Here's Scott Leffler. Super proud of, uh, of our football team. And uh, I thought we made... Uh, you know, you need to... You no, got, I, forgot to I thought we made a huge uh, jump... Uh, in our program and uh, Wednesday I went absolutely bonkers to be quite honest with you as mad as I've been in a long time in terms of not encouraging each other um, very similar to what happened last week on the sidelines and I thought our energy first off I want to thank the leadership council they called a team meeting on Thursday and uh, they got it right and uh, in the MAC just like I said, anyone can win at any time. You got to have the best locker room, the best week of preparation. You got to bring juice and energy on game day. And last week we didn't, and this week we did, and we found a way to win. Um, there were some things that we got to clean up. Um, we, as a coach, when you bring juice and energy and you have great effort, you play your ass off. We can fix those things to make our team better. And. Uh, very similar to the Marshall game, this was a huge step. And I know that there's a lot wrong. I mean, God, we should have scored a couple more times in the red zone. Um, but we made some strides as a team. And uh, that's really, really important. So it was some old school football today. Two good defenses. Um, super proud of the uh, offense in terms of running the ball. Um, I think the most that uh, I think Kentucky ran for the most, I think it was 120 yards that or Kent State, and we ran for 176 yards. And uh, we're going to have to do that. I mean, we got great skill guys. They didn't, they didn't catch the ball particularly well today. But when we get to November, when it's raining like hell, snowing sideways, there's five people in the stands for Maction, um, you're going to have to find a way to run the ball. And you're going to have to find a way to, to be motivated on the sideline. And so I'm really proud and I'm really happy that we made a jump in our program. And uh, I love our kids. I didn't love them last Saturday, but uh, they're learning. And I'm really, really proud of them. We had some push from the offensive line tonight. We'll talk about that. It was good to see. Well, we had a great game plan. If you go and do the same old, same old uh, – versus uh, Miami of Ohio, they're going to crush you in the run game. We did a bunch of things in the run game that we haven't shown all year long. My hat's off to the, uh, the players and the coaches for the prep work because you normally get nervous when you're doing things that are different, completely different. Uh, you're worried about college kids being able to execute when you're putting a bunch of new things in. But we gambled. It worked. And I thought our offensive line, I thought our tight ends, I thought the perimeter blocking on TK's touchdown was awesome. And uh, 
you know it's fun to watch these kids be a team and that's why i was so pissed off last week because we weren't a team and if we're a team and we go out and we play our tails off and we and we wind up a little short you can live with that but not you know we made a huge jump is my point huge jump It was really good. Yeah, they had a tough week last week. They didn't protect the ball. They came with an edge. They came with juice. And uh, just like I said, if every week we can bring energy, bring juice, effort, we got enough talent, to, and all the games are going to be like this. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, th this conference, it is – I love this conference because it's hard. It is tough as all get out to win. Uh, you got to be in your A game all the time, and uh, it's fun. You know, I mean, this is the way the games are supposed to come down, plain and simple. And uh, that's why I was disappointed last week. And I know I keep bringing it up last week, but there's a reason. I want our players to know the difference between last week and this week, and uh, it's pretty evident. For the offense, how big of a weight off the shoulders was that key touchdown after the struggles in the red zone? Yeah, uh, there's a couple things that as coaches, we uh, the first time that on Matt's interception, um, we shouldn't have called that. There was a, another th uh, play that we should have went to. Um, so, I mean, just like I said, um, there's going to be mistakes in games. You want it to be perfect. But if you have juice and energy and you're together, you can overcome a lot of crap during the game. And uh, we did. And I thought our defense was outstanding, like stupid good. Uh, we need to figure out a way before the half of a two-minute drill. I mean, obviously, we haven't been very good there, but we'll uh, we'll continue to work on that. Well, it did. I mean, Friday's practice, which is helmets or it's helmets and spiders, was the most enthusiastic. It felt. My wife, my wife came to practice, and uh, we had that at Florida. I mean, we were for as crazy as that team was. Um, they had juice now. I mean, they did, and it felt like I was at Urban's practice. It was awesome. I mean, it was so cool to watch those guys do that. And I go, hell, if you got to fake it, fake it. And then it started out fake, to be quite honest with you. And then it spiraled into being real and uh, it's really important I mean I, these games and everyone's so close and so talented I mean the talent level is absolutely even it was even last week and what, what, it was mindset and energy and juice and you know it's what it was plain and simple so but yes I'm jacked like I'm as happy as I've first <laughs> I went from the most disappointed ready to jump off SIBO to <laughs> pretty excited for them more than anything them i'm jacked for them they finally are starting to get over that top so it's been a long haul still got a five more of these to get them to do what they did today harold's a stud harold's a first round draft pick someday he is different um their high school coach and, uh, and there was an assistant coach there that I'm dear friends with. He was a late qualifier and he said, Scott, this dude's an NFL tight end. And we watched two clips and went, 
how are we getting this guy? And uh, he's different. He's got a lot to learn, but he is special. If you just watch the Mississippi State game, no one can tackle this dude. I mean, he is, for, for, for how young he is, you wait till this guy gets in the weight room. I mean, most of the time you're scared as heck for have a freshman at the point of attack. His hands are so strong and his base is so strong. You wait till he gets in the weight room. He's a really good football player. Hey, Van. We beat the Red Hawks, man. We beat the Red Hawks. So, Van's the best recruiter and the most awesome Bowling Green guy ever. I love him. So, um, that was really cool. So, I'm going home. And I'm going to go hang out with my crew for 10 hours or whatever it is. So, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So, you just heard Scott Leffler's post-game comments. He emphasized, of course, that this team got a lot better um, from what he saw. And he, like he said, he mentioned about it that he, you know, he challenged, the leadership committee came and had the players only meeting on Thursday, challenged themselves to be better. And they came out and did better on Thursday as Bowling Green, Bowling Green gets the big win 17-13 over the Miami Red Hawks. Let's dive into the rest of some rest of the college football spectrum uh, before we get into week week eight of the college football arena. We'll dive in, continue with our trek with the Mid American Conference and the University of Toledo Rockets had a huge home game against the Kent State Golden Flashes. Golden Flashes up huge at the half. They were up thirty one to twenty eight at halftime, but then in the second half, it felt like Kent State stayed in the locker room as Kent State was beaten by the Rockets in the second half alone. They were outscored 24 to nothing in the second half alone. The University of Toledo Rockets beat the Kent State Golden Flashes by a score of 52 to 31. The Rockets now improved to 5 and 2, Kent State 2 and 5 as Daquan Finn had seven touchdowns in the game. He was a good outing for him. He was 16 for 22. For 263 yards, six touchdowns in the air. His QBR rating of an 87.9. He also ran one in. He was 14 carries for 87 yards, one TD. His longest was 27 yards. Newton, five catches, 125 yards, two TDs. Barkley, three catches, 61 yards, two TDs. Maddox, five catches, 51 yards, one TD. And Turner, three, two catches, 20, 17 yards, one TD in the game. So the Rockets, a big 52-31 win over Kent State. They now, like I said, go to 5-2. and two. For me, uh, the penalties were a lot better for the Rockets. They had five penalties for 35 yards. The last couple of weeks, they've been struggling in the penalty run. They had 490 yards of total offense, 263 through the year, 227 on the ground. Kent State had 393 total yards of offense, 162 through the year, 231 on the ground. So the rushing was there for Kent State. So... It, it, it's good for Bowling Green to see that, you know, you know, if Bowling Green wants to continue running the football, you know, the BG, the BG offense is going to be very, very key. They could use that as a key momentum swing for themselves. So we'll see how that shakes out for you going forward. Um, as well as let's take a look at the, some of the big 10 games from week seven in the college football spectrum. And the big one, of course, at the big house is Michigan getting a huge 41 to 17 win over Penn state as they just absolutely 
took Penn State to the woodshed in the second half of the football game, outscoring the Nittany Lions by a score of 25-3. to It was all Corum in the game as well. He had a 61-yard touchdown run. He also had a one-yard run, of course, and uh, they were up 6-0 at the end of the first. They were down at, they were up only by two at halftime, 16-14, but they turned it on in the second half. 15 to 3 by the end of the third, and they put 10 more points in the fourth quarter. The Michigan Wolverines are now fully bowl eligible at 7 and 0, with the big 41 to 17 win over Penn State. Penn State, their first loss of the season, they are now 5 and 1. By the way, for Penn State, Clifford was 7 for 19 for 120 yards, QBR rating of 78.6, Alar 5 for 10 for 37 yards, QBR rating of 21.3. For Michigan, it was J.J. McCarthy. He was 17 for 24 for 145 yards. No TDs, one interception. His QBR, though, was a 77.0, so it was good to see that. Chrome, 28 carries for 166 yards, two TDs. Edwards, 16 carries, 173 yards, two TDs in the game for Michigan. So Michigan, a big win. They now go to 7-0. And now let's take a look at the rest of Week 7 in the college football spectrum. So now time to take a look at week seven of the college football spectrum, as well as looking at the top 25 going into week eight, as well as the big games for week eight in the college football spectrum. And look at, hear my predictions on who's going to win this upcoming Saturday. Let's take a look at the top 25 from this past Saturday. As Ole Miss, ninth ranked of the country, beats Auburn 48-34. to It was Oklahoma pulling the upset, beating 19th ranked Kansas by a score of 52-42. to 22nd-ranked Texas getting a big win over Iowa State, 24-21. It was Georgia routing Vanderbilt, 55-0. And then we had the game. The, there was three big games of the day. Three big games of the day. Michigan-Penn State was the noon kick. And then, and then the nightcap was USC-Utah. But this one was the big one. As it was third-ranked Alabama, the Crimson Tide, headed into Knoxville, into Rocky Top, to see the Tennessee Volunteers. And this game was a dandy of a game, beautiful game. If you love offense, this game was a great game. And Tennessee absolutely deserved to win this game. They did. They honestly deserved to win this game, and they did. At the half, they were up by one. Excuse me, they were up. Yeah, they were up by by. They were up twenty-eight to twenty. Alabama had a surgence in the third quarter, but the late field goal, of course, the big field goal, Chase McGrath forty-yard field goal as time expired, gives Tennessee. The 52-49 win over the Alabama Crimson Tide as Tennessee beats Alabama for the first time in 15 years. All is right in the college football world when Alabama loses, my friends. As Hooker was 21 for 30 for 385 yards, 5 TDs, 1 interception. Bryce Young was 35 for 52 for 455 yards, 2 TDs. In the game, Wright had 12 carries for 71 yards for Tennessee. Gibbs, 24 carries, 103 yards, 3 TDs in the game for tennis, for Alabama in the game. So Alabama falls to Tennessee 52-49 and gives Alabama their first loss of the season. 
13th ranked TCU upsets 8th ranked Oklahoma State in double overtime by a score of 43 to 40. It was the Syracuse Orange 18th ranked in the country upsetting 15th ranked NC State 24 to 9 in the dome. James Madison falls to Georgia Southern by a score of 45 to 38. James Madison 25th ranked in the country. It was Clemson, the Tigers getting a big 34 to 28 win over the Florida State Seminoles. 22nd ranked Kentucky beats 16th ranked Mississippi State 27-17. And then the nightcap, of course, the big one, like I mentioned before, the big three games, the final game, 7th ranked USC taking on 20th ranked Utah. And the Utah team came out to play when the sun came down. They hit every marker. Utah, a huge 43-42 win beating the 7th-ranked USC Trojans and shaking up the college football spectrum. So if you are also if you also play my picks from last week, this is the following picks I had for the top 25. I had Ole Miss, that was a win. I had Kansas, that was a loss. Texas was a win. Georgia was a win. I had Tennessee to beat Alabama, that is a win. TCU with the win as well. I had... NC State, that was a loss. I had James Madison, that was a loss. Clemson, I had picked, that was a win. I had picked Mississippi State and USC, and that was a loss. Uh, another game to recap for you guys from week week 7 of the college football spectrum. I had to talk about the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame played Stanford on at Notre Dame, and for the first time, Stanford beats the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, giving... Then their third loss of the season, basically wiping them out from the top 25, wiping them out from Bolkin, wiping them out from playoff contention completely. As Tanner McKee passed for 288 total yards in the game, he was 26 for 38. Payne was 13 for 27 for Notre Dame for 151 yards, one TD in the game. As Notre Dame falls to Stanford 16-14, to I had Notre Dame in the game, and they fell and they lost, and so Notre Dame is now 3-3. Three and three. Stanford with the win, there's now 2-4 and four for this upcoming season, this upcoming week. In Week 7 in the Big Ten for you guys, besides Michigan getting a big 41-17 win over Penn State, it was Illinois, the fighting Illini of Henry Blake, 26-14 win over the row the boat, Minnesota. Maryland, a 38-33 win over Indiana. Michigan State, a big 34-28 win over Wisconsin, getting the job done over the the Badgers. It was Purdue, a winner, 43-37 over Nebraska. And in the the big, that was the Big Ten scores. In the Mid-American Conference for you guys, in Week 7 of the slate, besides Bowling Green's big 17-13 win over Miami, Ohio, and Toledo's 52-31 win over Kent State. It was Central Michigan, a big 28-21 win over Akron. Buffalo, a winner 34-7 over UMass. Ball State, a 25-21 win over UConn. Northern Illinois, a 39-10 win over Eastern Michigan. And Ohio, a 33-14 win over Western Michigan. With that all set in mind in all the games, let's take a look at the top 25 rankings going into this weekend's play for Week 8 in the college football spectrum. Top 25 has shaken up a little bit. Georgia is at 1. Ohio State is at 2. Tennessee now moves up 3 spots to number 3 in the country. Michigan goes to 4, moving up 1. Clemson falls 1 to 5. Alabama falls 3 to 6. 
Ole Miss moves up two spots to number seven. TCU goes up to number eight, moving up five spots. Moving up two spots is the UCLA uh, Bruins. And 10th ranked Oregon moves up two spots to 10 overall. Oklahoma State falls three spots to number 11. USC falls five spots to number 12. Wake Forest moves up one. Syracuse moves up one to 14. Wake Forest is 13th ranked in the country. Utah moves up five spots to 15th ranked in the country. As the Penn State Nittany Lions fall six spots to number 16 in the country. Kansas State gets their first ranking at 17. Illinois moves up six spots to 18. Kentucky moves up three spots to 19. Texas moves up two spots to number 20. Cincinnati stays at 21. UNC goes now to number 22. NC State goes falls eight spots to number 23. Mississippi State falls to 24th, and they fall eight spots. And Tulane gets into the top 25 at 6-1. and one. And that is the AP Top 25 for you guys. And now it's time to take a look at Week 8's predictions right here on All Andy Alfred. And we take a look at the top 25 first and foremost. And we first and foremost start off with the noon kickoffs right here on All Andy Alfred. As it will be third-ranked Tennessee welcoming UT and Martin. Noon kick on the SEC Network. I'm going to take Tennessee in that game. The big noon game, of course, the big noon game between uh, Fox and a ABC. I'll get to that here in just a second. But the ABC game will be 14th-ranked Syracuse traveling to Clemson to battle the Tigers. Both teams undefeated. Clemson, 5th-ranked in the country at 7-0. Syracuse, 14th-ranked in the country at 6-0. Clemson, 13.5-point favorite in this game. I am actually going to take Syracuse. I love Dino Babers. I love what the program has been building. I love their running back. I'm going to take Syracuse to beat Clemson. This week, 21st-ranked Cincinnati goes down to SMU. Cincinnati, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. New kick on ESPN. I'm going to take the Bearcats in that one. Seventh-ranked Ole Miss heads down to Death Valley to take on Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. LSU, a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. L Ole Miss, seventh-ranked of the country. I'm taking Ole Miss in this game. I think Ole Miss gets the job done. 330 kick on Fox. We'll see ninth-ranked UCLA. Traveling to Eugene, Oregon to see the 10th ranked Oregon Ducks. Oregon a six point favorite, 330 kick, UCLA 6 0, Oregon 5 1. I'm going to take Oregon to beat UCLA in that game. 20th ranked Texas heads down to Bedlam to take on the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And I am going to take Oklahoma State in that game. 3.30 kick on ABC. 3.30 kick on the ACC Network. Sees Boston College taking on 13th ranked Wake Forest. Wake Forest 20 and a half point favorite in this game. I am going to take Wake Forest in this game. 25th ranked Tulane takes on Memphis. Tulane 7 point favorite. 3.30 kick on ESPN2. I am taking the green wave of Tulane. The nightcaps are looking like this. Of course, 7 o'clock on ESPN. It'll be 24th ranked Mississippi site. Taking on 6th-ranked Alabama. Alabama, a 21-point favorite in this game. I am taking Bama in this game. I think they get back onto the winning page. I think Saban gets his crew down, ready. And Mississippi State gets their third loss of the season. I will take Alabama in that one. Kent State, excuse me, Kansas State, 5-1. 17th-ranked in the country. Heads to TCU for an 8 o'clock kick on FS1. TCU, a 3.5-point favorite in this game. I am taking TCU in that game. 
By the way, the FBS uh, Independent, of course, UNLV will take on Notre Dame. Uh, 3.30 kick on the Peacock Network. It will be only on Peacock. I am taking Notre Dame in that game. Notre Dame is favored in that game. So now let's take a look at the Big Ten slate for you guys right here on All Andy Alfred as it will be, we'll start off with the noon couple, we'll start the noon games uh, before we get to the Ohio State game. Indiana will take on Rutgers, noon kick on Big Ten Network. Rutgers a three-point favorite in this one. I am taking the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers to beat Indiana. Purdue, 5-2 and two overall, takes on Wisconsin, who's 3-4. and four. Wisconsin, two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I am taking Purdue, the Boilermakers, to beat Wisconsin in this game. It will be Maryland, 5-2 and two overall, taking on Pat Fitzgerald, the Northwestern Wildcats. 3.30 kick on the Big Ten Network. Maryland, a 14-point favorite. I am taking the Terps of Maryland in that game. The night game on ABC will be a whiteout, as it will be row the boat. Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, taking on the 16th-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. Penn State, a four-point favorite in this game. I am taking Penn State in this game. I think uh, this is for Zach, by the way, out there in Pennsylvania and his buddy. Uh, this pick is for you guys. I'm taking Penn State to row the boat and to beat the Gophers as they get ready for the big test in front of them next week as Ohio State comes to Happy Valley. And, of course, that leads us to the Ohio State game. Ohio State second ranked in the country. Coming off the bye will play Iowa. Iowa 3-3 three three overall, Ohio State second ranked in the country, 6-0. Ohio State a 30-point favorite in this game. I am taking Ohio State clearly in this game. That game a big noon Saturday kickoff on Fox. So Gus Johnson and Joe Klatt doing the game. Love those broadcasters. We get to the Mid-American Conference for Week 8. It will start off with the noon kicks. It will be Akron at Kent State. Noon kick, Akron. 1-6, Kent State 2-5, Kent State 18.5 point favorites. This is the last second to last weekend for Saturday Maction. And there'll be a lot of games. This is the last team game week last Saturday games for a lot of teams as they get ready for Maction, which will start in the previous upcoming week. Kent State 2-5, Akron 1-6, Kent State's 18.5 point favorite. I'm taking Kent State. New kick on ESPN Plus. It will be a 2 o'clock kick as Eastern Michigan travels to Muncie, Indiana to take on the Ball State Fighting Football Cardinals. Fighting Football Cardinals. Uh, Ball State, 2.5 point favorite in this game. 2 o'clock kick on ESPN+. Plus. I am taking Eastern Michigan to beat Ball State in the game. Northern Illinois, who's ha- having a tough season this year, will head into Athens to take on the Ohio Bobcats. Ohio 4-3. Northern Illinois is 2-5. NIU a 3-point favorite in this game. But I'm going to take the Bobcats of Ohio to beat the Huskies of Northern Illinois. Western Michigan travels to Oxford to battle the Miami Redhawks on CBS Sports Network. 3.30 kickoff for that one. Miami, Ohio, 6.5 point favorite in this game. Miami, Ohio is 3-4, like we mentioned before, against Bowling Green. Western Michigan, 2-5. I am going to take Miami of Ohio in that game, which sets up the two local teams, of course. 1 o'clock kick on ESPN+. Plus as it will be the Buffalo Bulls, 4-3 overall, hosting the University of Toledo Rockets. The Rockets, a 7.5-point favorite, 1 o'clock kick on ESPN+. Like the Rockets are 5-2, Buffalo 4-3. I'm going to take the Bulls of Buffalo to beat the University of Toledo, I think, this week. I think the Rockets get their first loss in MAC play. 
I think this is going to be a shaping up to be that loss, which then sets up this. In beautiful Mount Pleasant, Michigan, on a nice warm afternoon in at Central Michigan University, it will be the Central Michigan Chippewas, who are 2-5 overall, hosting our Bowling Green State University Falcons, who are 3-4. Central Michigan is a 6.5-point favorite in this game. The game, 1 o'clock kick on ESPN3, so it will be a free game to watch on your ESPN app. I'm taking Bowling Green. I think Bowling Green gets the win in this one. I think they get the over the hump. I think they get their win, gets their fourth win of the season. They are two wins away from bowl eligibility. So there's that for you right there. And I wanted to talk about this really quickly before we continue on. All right, so after this game, Bowling Green then will have a bye the week of the 24th of October. They will have a bye. They will then come back to playing football on the 2nd of November, which is a Thursday, which is a Wednesday night. November the 2nd, they will host Western Michigan 7 o'clock kick on ESPN2. They will play then again another Wednesday night game one week after that against Kent State, 7 o'clock kick for that. Okay, and then it finishes out with two road games. The 15th of November. Circle this date for you guys, ladies and gentlemen. It will be the Battle of I-75 as our Bowling Green State University Falcons travel to the Glass Bowl to take on the University of Toledo Rockets. This is a huge, a huge, and I mean a huge game in all aspects. Because if Bowling Green wins against Central, I think they can win against Western. It circles that to being the four, the five-win spectrum right there. Kent State's going to be a tough game for them. I think it's going to be a tough game for them. What sets up Bowling Green to play Toledo. And if Toledo and Bowling Green play well, I think it's going to be a close game. I really think it's going to be a close game. But we will be there for that game. Stay tuned for information on our regarding of our All Andy Alford tailgate, as well as I gotta pay attention to this, the Barstool Sports College Football Show with Casey, Dave Portnoy, Big Cat, and Brandon Walker will be at the Glass Bowl for this game for the College Football Show. So here's the situation with regarding the the tailgate. With that in mind, with that happening at the same time as with our tailgate, we are going to be doing the tailgate early this year. I mean, we are talking early. We're talking a three thirty tailgate, as the the football game is scheduled right now for a seven o'clock kick. They're scheduled to do the Barstool Sports Show around six to get into the stadium for seven o'clock kick. So I gotta say this. This is a big one. This is a big game. And I'm I'm just telling you, Bowling Green wins on Saturday. They stays I, I think now I'll I'll say this. I think Leffler keeps his job if they get bowl eligible now. And I think they finally turn the corner. I really do. I think they really turned the corner. 
And I hope that this means that they're going to win some games that are meaningful. So, to recap, Lamac, I have Kent State, Eastern Michigan, Ohio, Miami, Ohio, Buffalo in the upset, and Bowling Green to beat Central Michigan. Those are the picks for Week 8 in the college football spectrum. As you are listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive in, continue talking about the gridiron. Oh, the Browns. Let's get into that. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming. I uh, want to start it off by uh, congratulating our team, number one, and then number two, uh, Demetrius Hardiman on receiving uh, the East uh, Defensive Player of the uh, of the Week. Played really well. Super excited to get this week going and uh, looking forward to the uh, next challenge up in Mount Pleasant. Well, it's... Uh, it's been a work in progress for sure, and uh, I think our defensive line is uh, very good, and uh, our offensive line played to their potential. And uh, I thought the running backs ran well. I thought the game plan was uh, exceptional, and uh, we found a way to uh, beat a very good team. How have you seen Ryan Jackers kind of develop over these last few weeks? Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, you know, they were put in a tough situation uh, coming into the season. We knew that uh, each of them were going to play a part, but uh, not to the extent that they all are now because of Terrion. And uh, I thought they really, um, really played well as a unit. I mean, all, all of them did. They ran the ball hard. I thought Jason Patterson played his best game. I thought he was uh, very good. So... Um, but they did their job, and uh, Coach White's a really good running back coach, and they responded uh, to this week's challenge, last week's challenge, I guess. Now, moving on. It seemed like that it was more of like a balanced effort across the board from both sides, maybe more of a complete game that what you've seen the last week. Yeah, uh, I thought it was uh, different. You know, in the Marshall game, we had to throw it around to win. Uh, in this game, uh, we... Uh, we felt at the beginning of the game that uh, we would have to throw it a little bit more than uh, we anticipated, but uh, we started running the ball well. Uh, the few things that we put in differently were working, so uh, the defense was playing great, so um, running the ball was the best thing at that time uh, to, f- to win the game. When it comes to Central Michigan this week, how do you, now seeing you know, both sides of it with um, the game against Buffalo and the Miami, um, kind of attack this week going into the Yeah, this is a, uh, you know, I put the challenge out. This is a really good team that we're going up against, really well coached. Um, they know how to win. You know, it's very similar to Miami. They're, they're a good team. And going up there is very difficult to play. Uh, it's normally cold and windy, but thank goodness we are uh, supposed to have nice weather. And, uh, you know, we got to go play our best game. You know, just like I've said, it doesn't matter who we play anymore. This league is chaotic. It's crazy. And uh, each week, 
each week you got to bring your A game. If not, you're going to get your, your tail kicked in. So we've got to have a really good week of practice. We need to eliminate some mistakes. We need to catch the ball better. That was the one negative on offense. We just didn't catch the ball very well. Could have had a I think Max should have been 23 or 29 if we just catch the football. So um, need to clean up some uh, things in the red area. I need to start scoring touchdowns down there and uh, keep playing good defense. What's it like coming back to back home games and going out on the road for that final, final Saturday? Yeah, it's, we're finally, Saturday is our last game of uh, the second season, as we would call it, you know, the regular college football. And then uh, for the next month, we don't know what day it is, what time it is, what month it is. It's it's different. So this is a, a great opportunity to see how mature our team is and uh, how much they can move the needle of our program going up to a, play a really good uh, Central Michigan team. Well, it's not just watching him progress this year. It's watching him. He was uh, a guy that totally is self-made. He uh, wasn't big enough, wasn't strong enough. Uh, he literally sat at the uh, the Oaks dining and ate all day and studied all day. And when he wasn't doing that, he was down here lifting weights and working on his trade. He's a guy last year that I look out, and uh, after a game, uh, he's out there working on uh, his technique. Uh, he's infatuated with football. Uh, he's a very good student, so we're happy that uh, he was able to help our team win last week. So let's dive into the National Football League, and of course let's talk about the the misery that is right now in Cleveland, Ohio, as the Browns find another way to lose another game as the Browns welcomed in the New England Patriots led by Bailey Zappi and Bill Belichick. The rookie quarterback himself makes the opportunity. He comes out strong in this game. It was field goals that started it all off. With Nick Folk kicking a 19-yard field goal in the first quarter, giving New England up a 3-0 lead. And then Kay York with a 39-yard field goal, making it 3-3. And then Ramon Stevenson with a 31-yard run, beating the Browns defenders, making it a 10-3 game. Kane York again, another field goal with less than a minute to play in in the game in the peer, in the first half, making it a 10-6 game at the half. In the third quarter, it was all led by the Patriots as Taquan Thornton getting a two-yard pass from Zayler from Bailey Zappi, making it 17-6, and then it got worse as Hunter Henry. Gets the 31-yard pass from Zappi and making it a 24-6 ball game. Kane York with a 51-yard field goal, making it 24-9. Amari Cooper getting a nice pass from Jacoby Brissett, making it 24-15, but it was all New England after that. Thornton, another 19-yard run. And Stevenson with a 6-yard run. The final score from Cleve from First Energy Stadium on the banks of the, of the lake. 38-15 to 15 was the final. As Jacoby Brissett in the game for the Browns, he was 21 for 45 for 266 total yards, one TD, two interceptions. His QBR rating was an 18.5. Can't have that happen. 
it, it felt like the Browns really abandoned the run game in this game. The, because Kareem Hunt only had four carries for 12 yards. That's that's unacceptable. Nick Chubb, 12 carries, 56 yards. That's very, very unacceptable, in my opinion. Uh, the receiving core, Donovan Peoples-Jones, four catches, 74 yards. Njoku, three catches, 58 yards. Mari Cooper, four catches, 44 yards, one TD. Brown with two catches, 21 yards. For the New England Patriots in the game, uh, like I said, Zappi was the third, was the rookie quarterback. He was great, 24 for 34 for 309 total yards, two TDs, no interceptions. QBR rating of a 56.4. Stevenson, 19 carries for 76 yards, one TD. Thornton, three carries, 16 yards, one TD in the game. As Parker had four catches for 64 yards, no TDs. Henry, four catches, 61 yards, one TD. Thornton, four catches, 37 yards, one TD. Smith, two catches, 61 yards. Myers, four catches, 60 yards in total. For the Browns, they had 16 first downs. On third down, they were 4 for 15, and they were 3 for 5 on fourth down. The Patriots had 20 first downs, and they were 7 for 14 on third down. They did not convert any fourth down opportunities. The Browns had 328 total yards of offense, 258 through the air, 70 yards seven zero yards for the rushing side of the football for new england they had 399 total yards of offense 301 through the air 98 yards rushing 12 penalties 92 yards for the new england patriots in the game seven penalties 63 yards for the browns you figured that the Browns would capitalize on points with that. But they had four turnovers in the game, two fumbles, and two interceptions. That's what killed the Browns in this game. One fumble for the Patriots. The Patriots led in time of possession, 35 minutes and 5 seconds. For the Browns, 24 minutes and 55 seconds. With New England's win, they go back to 500 at 3-3. Three and three. The Browns are now 2-4. and four. And I say this now as to all the Browns fans, but I think this season is officially done. They're done. It's over. It's done. This season is done. You can wash it up. You can end it. This is it. That's it. There's no way that the Browns are coming back. I'm being completely and totally honest with you guys. I, I, I just don't see with Watson coming back later on, I, I just don't see this team making the postseason. And I was right. I was right on my NFL preview show. If you if you listen to the podcast, I told you guys right off the bat, I said the Browns are not going to be for real. I told you guys don't believe the hype. I was dead wrong. I was also I'm also wrong on how the Lions are. Thank God the Lions were on a bye. The Lions are on a bye this past week. So we don't have to talk about the Lions. But we are going to recap week six in the National Football League. It's time. It's time to recap week six in the National Football League. Right here on All Andy Alfred. Whoop! We begin with Thursday Night Football as it was Justin Golden Fields taking on Carson Wentz. And the Washington Commanders in beautiful Soldier Field. 
And a muff punt kills the opportunity for the, for the Bears. As Fields was rocked and rolled. As he was only 14 for 27 for 190 yards, one TD, one interception. QBR rating of a 28.1. As Carson Wentz was 12 for 22 for only 99 yards passing. QBR rating of 22.3, but it was just enough. As Robinson Jr. had 17 carries for 60 yards. One TD, and the Commanders beat the Bears 12-7. Whoop! We then head to Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. As it was the Atlanta Falcons led by Marcus Mariota. And they took on Jimmy G and the San Francisco 49ers. And the Atlanta Falcons proving yet again that they can win again. As they win. By a score of 28 to 14. The Commanders, a the, the 49ers, are in deep, deep trouble, my friends, ladies and gentlemen. We then head up to Lambeau Field. As it was the Green Bay Packers taking on the J-E-T-S. Suck, suck, sucks Jets, who are not S-U-C-K. Suck, suck, sucks right now. The Jets, I think, are... For real, ladies and gentlemen, the Jets ground Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are in trouble, ladies and gentlemen, as Rodgers, 26 for 41 for 246 yards, only one TD, as banging mom Zach Wilson was 10 for 18 for 110 yards. The Jets pound the Fudge Packers, 27 to 10. Woo! We then head down to Indianapolis as Matt Ryan in the Indianapolis Colts took on Touchdown Jesus and Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Indianapolis Colts getting a huge win, getting back into the playoff picture and into the division picture with a big 34-27 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. We head down to beautiful Miami, Florida as a Cousins. And the Minnesota Vikings took on the two or less Miami Dolphins. And Kirk Cousins, a solid outing for him. As he, in the game, was a solid 20 for 30 for 175 yards and two TDs. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridge over troubled water. 23 for 34 for 329 yards, two TDs, and two interceptions as the Dolphins fall. To the Minnesota Vikings by a score of 24 to 16. We head down to the Superdome as it was I'm Joe Burrow. Let's ride. And the Bengals taking on the New Orleans Saints. And the Bengals did not bungle this game. They get the job done as Joey B and the AFC champion Bengals. As Burrow was 26 for 37 for 300 yards passing and three TDs. As Andy Dalton, the former quarterback of the Bengals, 17 for 32 for 162 yards. One TD. The Bengals, a 30 to 26 win over the New Orleans Saints. We then head to the Meadowlands. That's the G-Man. Take on Lamar Jackson. I run fast. And the Baltimore Ravens and the G-Men unmistakably, undefiably 
beat the Baltimore Ravens. As Daniel Jones was 19 for 27 for 173 yards and two TDs. Lamar Jackson, 17 for 32 for 210 yards. One TD, one interception. As the G-Men get a huge 24 to 20 win over the Baltimore Ravens. And the G-Men are now 5-1, baby! We then head to the Steel City as Tampa Tom and the, Ta and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the Ben Rapeless Les Burgers, Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Steelers led by Jersey Jerry's own team, the Steelers, led by Mitchell Trubisky, Polish Bry, comes off the bench and stuns Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as Najee Harris had a six-yard touchdown pass from Kenny Pickett, but it was all Trubisky after that. Claypool getting the game-winning touchdown. Fournette getting an opportunity, but it was Trubisky, 9 for 12 for 144 yards. One TD as Tampa Tom was 25 for 40 for 243 yards and one TD as it was the Steel Curtain beating up on the Bucks, 20 to 18. Tampa is in trouble. Oh, no. We then head to the 4 o'clock slate. Let's take a look at some of the other games besides the big one, which we'll talk about in just a second. As it was Matthew Stafford and the defending Super Bowl champions taking on the Bakerless Mayfield Carolina Panthers. And Baker in the game did not play. It was, it was Walker, 10 for 16 for 60 yards. Matthew Stafford torching Carolina who are 1-5 without their fired coach. Stafford, 26 for 33 for 253 yards. One TD, one interception. Henderson Jr., 12 carries, 43 yards, one TD. The Rams, a huge 24-10 win over the Carolina Panthers. And then we head up to Seattle. And the 12th man, as it is Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks, led by Pete Carroll. As Gino was 20 for 31 for 197 yards. I'm the child, Kyler Murray. 23 for 37 for 222 yards. He threw one interception. No touchdowns in the game for Arizona as they fall to the Seahawks. 19 to 9. The game of the two best games of the week. Were between the four between 4 p.m. and midnight on Sunday. We start first in Arrowhead as Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills circle the wagon into Arrowhead to take on Patrick Mahomes! Patty Mahomes! And the Kansas City Chiefs! This game was a doozy of a game. No score after, after 15 minutes. It was all scoring after that. As it was Dawson Knox getting the 14-yard touchdown pass from Josh Allen with a minute to go. Giving the Bills the huge 24-20 win over Kansas City. Giving Kansas City their second loss as Josh Allen was 27 for 40 for 329 total yards. Three TDs. 
Barry Mahomes, I was only 25 for 40 for 338 yards. Two TDs and two interceptions. As Juju Smith-Schuster, five catches for 113 yards, one TD in the game. Buffalo, with their win, now it's 5-1, leading the AFC, and I think are for real, ladies and gentlemen. Woohoo! We then head to Sunday Night Football on NBC, the second best game of the week on TV, as it was Fly, Eagles, fly on the road to victory. Taking on the boys of Dallas. And it was Jalen Hurts again. 15 for 25. 155 yards, two TDs. The Eagles dominated the first half. But it was all Cowboys in the second half. Led by Cooper Rush who was 18 for 38, 181 yards, his worst game of the season. One TD, three interceptions. As Zeke was 13 carries for 81 yards, one TD. It was the Eagles, still undefeated at 6-0 with a big 28-26-17 win. And I pose this question to you Cowboys fans. <laughs> <laughs> you still them boys? <laughs> we then head to Monday Night Football as it was the Los Angeles Chargers taking on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos as this game was honestly not good. Very, very not good. As Russell Wilson was 15 for 28 for 188 yards, one TD. Justin Herbert, 37 for 57 for 238 yards. He only threw one interception. The leading was Austin Eckler leading most of the team in the scoring realm. As it was the Chargers in overtime. A 19 to 16 win over the Denver Broncos. If you count it, for week six, I had Chicago. That was a loss. San Francisco, that was a loss. I had the Jets. That's a win. Jacks, I had Indianapolis. That was a win. I had, I had Minnesota. That was a win. Cincinnati, a win. I had Baltimore. That was a loss. Tampa, that's a loss. Cleveland, that was a loss. The Rams, a win. Arizona, a loss. Buffalo, a win. Philly, a win. And the Chargers, a win. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wins. And one, two, three, four, five, six. Eight and six overall in my NFL picks. If you count the college football picks, which was 17 and seven, and eight and six. 25. And 13 this past weekend. So there is all the college, the NFL pick, NFL recap for you right here, week seven. And now it's time, week six, my apologies. And now it's time to preview week seven. And here are my predictions in the National Football League. It's now time to preview week seven in the National Football League. And here are my picks for week seven 
in the National Football League. And we begin tonight with Thursday Night Football as is the New Orleans Saints traveling out to Arizona to see Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the overall game getting ready to start here actually is underway as we speak. The Cardinals, a favorite, two and a half. The over-under, 43 and a half points. I am taking Arizona to beat New Orleans. The Sunday slate looks like this. The Falcons travel to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. One o'clock kick on Fox. I am taking Cincinnati, who is a six and a half point favorite in this game. Indianapolis travels to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Indy three, two, and one. The Titans three and two. Tennessee a two and a half point favorite. One o'clock kick on CBS. I am taking Tennessee in this game. Green Bay travels to Washington to take on the Commanders. One o'clock kick. Green Bay a four and a half point favorite in this game. I am taking Green Bay in this game. Tampa Bay three and three overall takes on the Carolina Panthers, who are one and five. Tampa eleven point favorite in this game. I am taking Tampa in this game. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who are the home team, two and four, take on the G-Men, the Giants. Uh, Jacksonville, a three-point favorite, one o'clock kick on Fox. I am taking the G-Men in that game, which sets up the two local teams. We'll first and foremost start off with a one o'clock kick on CBS. That is the Browns, two and four overall, taking on the Ravens, who are three and three. Baltimore, a six and a half point favorite in this game. I am taking the Ravens in this game. I think Baltimore is the better team. I think they bounce back after the loss against the Giants. I think they are possibly a division winner now, in my opinion. And then the 1 o'clock kick looks like this. The 1-4 Detroit LOL Lions take on the 4-2 Dallas Cowboys. Dallas a 7-point favorite in this game. 1 o'clock kick I'm taking Detroit. No, no. I changed my mind. Dak Prescott announced that he is back. He is going to start on Sunday. He's going to torch our secondary. I'm going to take Dallas. I'll take Dallas to beat Detroit. Let's go to the 4 o'clock slates. As it will be the J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets traveling out. To Mile High to take on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Denver a one-point favorite in this game. I'm taking the Jets. I think the Jets are for real in this. I think the Jets are for real. I really do. The Seahawks, led by Geno Wilson and by Pete Carroll, will go into Los Angeles to take on Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. 425 kickoff for that one. I am taking the Chargers to beat the Seahawks. The Houston Texans travel out to Vegas to take on the the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders, the seven point favorite in this one. Both teams only have one win. I think the Raiders. I think the Raiders get their second win of the season. I am taking the Raiders in that game. You have then the game on Fox. Four twenty five kickers. Patrick Mahomes travels out to Levi Stadium to take on Jimmy G which is a rematch of the Super Bowl from a couple seasons ago. And I think this game is going to be an interesting one. I'm taking Kansas City to beat San Francisco. I think Kansas City gets the win. They bounce back. I think they win 
easily. And that sets up Sunday night football as the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 2-4, and four, travel down to Miami to take on the Dolphins. 8-20 kick, Miami a 7-point favorite. It looks like Tua will be coming back into the lineup. I will take Miami to beat Pittsburgh in that game, which sets up the Monday night football game as the Bears travel up to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. The Patriots is a 7.5-point favorite. I am taking New England in that game. So, to recap, I have the Cardinals tonight on Thursday night. The Sunday slate, I have Cincinnati over Atlanta, Tennessee over Indianapolis, Green Bay over Washington, Tampa over Carolina, the Giants to beat Jacksonville, Baltimore over Cleveland, Dallas over Detroit. I have the Jets over Denver, the Chargers over the Seahawks, the Chiefs over the San Francisco 49ers. Sunday night, I have Miami over Pittsburgh, and Monday night, I have the New England Patriots over the Chicago Bears. So we'll see how that all shakes out right here on All Andy Alford. So you'll have to tune in next week for the new edition to see how my picks did this past week. As you are listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight as we now have gotten into... Talked all about the gridiron. It's now time to hit the ice. Let's talk a little Jackets hockey. As they are on the on the power play right now, as they are playing Nashville, they're still down 2 nothing. But here's the latest Jackets report. It's time to fire the cannon. And it's time to put on your Jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Elfred. So it's now time for the latest Jackets Report. And when I last left you, the Jackets were getting ready to start the season as they got ready to start the the 2022-23 campaign as they just put it in the back of the net on the power play as they're playing the Nashville Predators tonight. Jackets, a big goal to get them back into the swing of things as they're down 2-1 to Nashville but let's recap uh, the game as it was, of course, number, oh my god, oh my goodness, it was the kid line that just scored the goal as I'm watching it right now. Beautiful setup out front, took the shot from the point and just hit it, he hit the top corner. That is Jake Bean with the goal. Top corner beats, beats the goaltender. And he gets his first of the campaign, Jake Bean. It's 2-1 Jackets now, but let's recap what we've seen so far. The Jackets started off on a skid, ladies and gentlemen, as they took on the Carolina Hurricanes to start the season. It was Johnny Gaudreau getting hit, excuse me, Patrick Line getting his first goal of the season as no goals were scored in the first period. However, he got injured in this game and he is now he's been out now for four estimated four to six weeks. But it looks like he could be back in the lineup before they make the trick to Finland here up summing. So the Jackets were out to a one nothing lead just the, starting out in the second period, but it was then all all um Carolina in the game as Jarvis getting his first. Say Jack 
And then Nikas and Sechikov all scoring for the Hurricanes as the Hurricanes beat the Jackets in Game 1 of the 2022-23 season by a score of 4-1. to It was Martin Nikas getting the number 1 star, Frederick Anderson the number 2 star, and Brady Sajak the number 3 star. Jackets were out shot in the game 43-32. to They were out done in the faceoff dot 61% to 39%. Both teams 0 for 2 on the power play. The Jackets out hitting the Hurricanes in the game 26 to 22. They outblocked the Hurricanes 22 to 9 in the game. The Jackets fall to 0 and 1 to start the season. By the way, for the Jackets it was Tarasov stopping 39 of 43 save percentage of a point 907. Anderson stopping a total of 31 of 32 save percentage of a point 969. So the Jackets fall in game one of the season. They then took on the Tampa Bay Lightning for their home opener on Friday night. Jackets, Johnny Gaudreau getting his first as a Columbus Blue Jacket at the 221 mark of the first period from Justin Danforth and Boone Jenner was 1 0. But then the Lightning capitalizes. Corey Perry getting his first and then Steven Stamkos, his second of the campaign making it a 2-1 Tampa lead before Gus Nyquist getting his first of the season from Kenton Johnson and Gooberson on a snapshot, making it a 2-2 game. But at the end of the first period, it's Colton getting his first from Perry and Hedman, making it 3-2. Cam Foote then getting his first of the season from Colton and Nasterkoff, making it 4-2. And then Stamkos getting the deflected shot, beating Tarasov and giving Tampa Bay the big 5-2 win for the home opener against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Stan Coast, the number one star, Ross Colton, the number two star, Corey Perry, the number three star. Tampa outshot the Jackets in the game 39-28. to Jackets led in the faceoff dot, though, 71% to 29%. It was the Lightning 1-for-2 on the power play, Columbus 0-for-4. The Jackets out-hit the, uh, out the Lightning 22-18. to They outshot, they outblocked the Lightning 13-4. to in the game for the Lightning in the game, it was uh, Vasilevsky stopping 26 to 28, save percentage of a point 929 for the Jackets. Tarasov again 34 for 39 with a save percentage of about 8.872. So the Jackets starting off 0 and 2. Not a good way to start. They then headed to St. Louis the next night, and again. The, the fate was not on the Jackets as they jumped out. They were down early in the game as Petrov getting his first from Krug on the power play, making it a one nothing game for St. Louis after 20 minutes. And then Tarasenko getting his first of the season from Falk and Thomas as it was St. Louis's home opener, making it 2 nothing. Then Gus Nyquist getting his second of the campaign from Johnny Gaudreau and Eric Guberson and making it 2-1. to one. St. Louis, Sean Corrali then get capitalizing, tying the game after 40 minutes of play from Oliver and Robinson, making it 2-2 after 40 minutes. But then St. Louis turned on the Jets in the second period. On the third period, as Barbershop getting his first from Shen and Bechnik, making it 3-2. Neighbors getting his first from Ned, Letty and Shen, 4-2. And then Tarasenko getting the game-ending game goal 5-2 at the 18-29 mark of the third period unassisted as St. Louis beats the Columbus Blue Jackets by a score of 5-2. The three starts of the game, Paul Pavel Bunevich, Vladimir Tarasenko, and Ilya Brashkalov getting the three stars 
in the game, one, two, and three. Jackets out at Jackets and the Blues tied in shots at 25 in the game. Jackets led in the faceoff dot 57% to 43%. St. Louis one for three on the power play. Columbus 0 for two. The Blues out hit the Jackets 28 to 14, but they tied in blocks at 13. In the game, Tarasov again for the Jacket. Oh, excuse me, Elvis Merzlinkis was the starter for the Jackets. He was 20 for 25, save percentage of a point eight zero zero for St. Louis. It was Bennington 23 of 25, save percentage of a point nine two zero. So the Jackets fall to 0 and 3 to start the season. It was not good starting starting spot for the Jackets. Then we get to what Tuesday was. The Jackets took on the Vancouver Canucks at Nationwide Arena. They're getting this big three-game homestand, and they're taking on Vancouver on Tuesday night, and they got a huge win on Tuesday night. It did not start off well as Bo Horvath getting his second of the season from Penderson and Oliver ekman Larson on the shorthanded goal, making it a 1-0 game, and then Penderson getting his third of the season from uh, Colsa and Hogar, making it 2-0 Vancouver after 20 minutes of play. But then the Jackets turned on the heat as Justin Danforth, my favorite, my favorite Jacket. Number first goal of the season from Gavrikov and Chinikov, making it a 2-1 game in favor of Vancouver as Danforth batted the puck down, getting it into the back of the net, making it 2-1 after 40 minutes of play. Then Zach Wierenski, Zach attack, attacks the net and getting his snapshot beating. The goaltender tying the game at two from Boone Jenner and Johnny Goudreau. It's 2-2. Then Bo Horvath, not even a minute later, less than a minute later, getting his third of the season from Pullman and Quinton Hughes, making it a 3-2 Vancouver lead on the deflected shot. But then Johnny Goudreau getting his second of the season from Boone Jenner and Voracek, tying the game at three at the 9-23 mark of the third period as he tucks it in with a great individual effort, wrapping it around the net. Playing the Sega Genesis goal, it was absolutely beautiful to see. He took it and did it himself, tying the game at three. We then get into overtime. It goes to overtime. The Jackets do pick up a point. So does Vancouver. And then in the overtime period, a breakdown in a play for Vancouver. It turns into a two-on-one between Gavrikov and Chinikov. And Gavrikov getting the pass, taking the shot beating the goaltender, and the Jackets get their first win of the season in overtime. Gavrikov, his first from Chinikov and Voracek on in overtime. Jackets win 4-3. The three stars, Gaudreau the number one star, Gavrikov the number two star, and Bo Horvath. The number three star. Vancouver outshot Columbus in the game 35 to 33, but the Jackets led in the faceoff dot 62% to 38%. Both teams 0 for on the power play. Columbus 0 for 2, Vancouver 0 for 3. The Jackets out hitting the Canucks in the game 17 to 13. They outblocked the Jackets. Jackets outblocked Vancouver 16 to 14. So we'll see how that all shakes out. They're playing Vancouver. They're playing Nashville tonight. Uh, Nashville just scored a little bit ago, right before the end of the period, and the Jackets are now down three-one after forty minutes of play. The Jackets are out shooting the Predators twenty-five to eighteen in this game, 
as Elvis Merzlinkitz is starting for the... Oh, by the way, let me recap the goaltending situation for you guys. It was Elvis Merzlinkitz on Thursday, on Tuesday, 32 of 35, save percentage of a point, 914. For the Canucks in the game, it was Martin, who's 29 for 33, save percentage of a point, 879. So we get to tonight. They are playing the Nashville Predators. It is 3-1 Nashville after 40 minutes of play. As we'll recap the scoring for you guys really quickly. As uh, Gina getting his second of the season, making it 1-0 Nashville. And then the former Jacket, Ryan Johansson, getting his second from Eklom and Niederreiter, making it 2-0 after 20 minutes of play. Jake Bean getting his first of the season from Kent Johnson and Chinikov as he took the shot from the top of the key, uh, top of the point, making it a 2-1 game in favor of Nashville. But Tanerov getting his first of the season unassisted, making it 3-1 after 40 minutes of play. Columbus is out shooting Nashville in the game 25-18. to The Predators are leading in the faceoff top 51% to 49%. Uh, Jackets are out hitting Nashville in this game right now, 15 to 11. They're out blocking Nashville in this game, 12 to 11. So there is that for you guys. As as the Jackets are and Predators are at intermission, 3-1 in favor of the Predators right now. Uh, Got to make mention of this: the NHL released the new 2022-2023 reverse retro jerseys. The jacket jersey this year is paying homage to the 2004-2005 uh, jacket jersey that was that came out with the new lo- with the what the logo is now um, it's black in the middle with blue sleeves stars on the stars on the three stars on the side and on the top crest it is the old CBJ logo on one side and the cap on the other side paying homage to the old jer- the old jerseys that the jackets used to wear I like the jersey. I really do. Uh, some of the other retro jerseys out. I do like the uh, Montreal jersey. That reminds me of the Montreal Expos. I do like the Arizona jersey that is orange with the uh, desert print on the bottom of it. Um, I think the New York jersey with the Lady Liberty coming back is fantastic. Same with the Islanders jersey. I don't like. I don't like the Detroit jersey. It's just too stripy for me. It kind of reminds me of a prison outfit. And I don't like the, um, uh, I don't like the, Car- uh, the, not the Carolina, but the Colorado jersey with the big C and the O. I wish they would have just done the, like the mountains like they used to do with the, the original Rockies, the Colorado Rocky jerseys that they used to do. So we'll see how that all shakes out, of course. Um. Like I mentioned before, Patrick Liney out with an injury. Uh, the latest report is saying that he will be back, could be back in time for the series, the global series in Finland. So he could be back in the lineup, and that would be great to see. Honestly, it would be great to see him come back and do very, very well, especially in his home country. To play in his home country would absolutely be outstanding. Uh I, I do going back to the retros looking at it uh I like the Seattle Vancouver is the winner I think in that jersey realm um I don't like the Boston I don't like the I, I don't I, I like the Edmonton I don't like San Jose's with that shark 
It's almost like a representation of uh, Chicago and Detroit are almost the same exact jerseys, but Chicago's writing is in white and Detroit's writing is in black. I just, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like those jerseys. Bad news out of the NHL is Gabriel Langerskog is out, expected to be out 12 weeks after such an, uh, arthro- having arthroscopic knee surgery on Tuesday. That's going to be bad. Dan Villar signs a two-year deal with the Calgary Flames worth $4.4 million. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are also with Jacob Verana for the Detroit Red Wings. He is unavailable. Uh, the Players Association had made an announcement that he'll be out indefinitely for a period of time while he receives care from the Players Assistant Program. Uh, veneer care will be administered pursuant to the NHL and NHL Players Assistant Association. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with Jacob in this time of need. Um, Aaron Eckblad is going to be placed on long-term injury reserve for the Florida Panthers with a in- lower body injury. Um, the NHL salary cap is going to be increased by $4 million for the next next year for the 2023-2024 season. So it's going to e-escrow debt players in the NHL, which is going to be good for that. Connor Brown is out for a long-term injury as well. Uh, looking at some scores from around the league tonight, besides the Jackets losing right now 3-1 to the Predators, it is after 20 minute, 40 minutes of play, the Leafs and the Stars are tied at 1. Uh, the Bruins and the Ducks are tied at one after 40 minutes. Uh, Cal- uh, Arizona is up f- down 5 nothing to the Montreal Canadiens. Pittsburgh up 4 nothing on the Kings. At the end of 40 minutes of play, it's the Sharks and the Rangers tied at 2. Just hitting into the end of the second period is the Senators 2, the Capitals 2. 5.40 to go left in the second period is the Devils 2, the Islanders nothing. 2-2 after 20 minutes of play in Minnesota. The nightcap will see Carolina in Edmonton to battle the Oilers. 9.30 sees Buffalo in Calgary to battle the Flames. And then you have Vegas hosting the Winnipeg Jets. 10 o'clock drop on that one for you guys tonight. Is, uh, the next game for the Red Wings, by the way, it will be tomorrow night. 8.30 puck drop as they'll take on the Chicago Blackhawks. After tomorrow night, the Jackets will, after tonight, the Jackets will take on the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday. So it doesn't get easier for the Jackets. They're one and three, Pittsburgh is 2-0-1 oh, so far to start the season. I'm not going to go into the standings and the breakdown for right now. So there is your NHL news and notes. And that is the Jackets report right here on All Andy Alford. And now for the first time this year, it's time for the Walleye Roundup. It's time to hit the pond. It's time for the Walleye Roundup right here on All Indy Alfred. So it's time for the first season edition of the Walleye Roundup right here on All Indy Alfred on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Leakers, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever and whenever you're, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much. And it is the first edition of the Walleye Roundup. Of course, the Walleye 
getting ready to start the 2022-2023 campaign this upcoming season. The Fish getting ready to defend the Western Conference Championship and hopefully this season get themselves into the contention to get back to playing for the Kelly Cup this upcoming season. So hopefully we see some good things. Uh, The season's going to be very, very interesting. I think, for me, I think it's going to be, in some aspects, the the rosters are pretty much set. We have the rosters pretty much set and ready to go for the upcoming season. Uh, The Fish are going to be loaded, I think, in my opinion, very, very loaded this season. And the season opening rosters have been announced for all teams in the East Coast Hockey League. We're going to go over the walleye, walleye team for you guys here now in just a second. Here it is. The walleye team will be followed, will be as followed. The goaltending will be Max Belosic and Raylan Petru. It will be Simone Denny, Cole Frazier, our guy Gordy Meyer will be on the defensive side with Cam Clark. Kirk Goslin, Tommy Peran, and Joseph Nardi. On the forward side will be Colin Keen, Sam and Lucas Craigs, Brent McKenzie, Gordy Green, Brett Boeing, John Albert, Torius Elving, Mitchell Hurd, and forward reserve Ryan Lowey and defenseman and forward Brandon Hawkins. So that is the roster for the 2022 2023 Toledo Walleye season. Looking at some of the other teams, of course, we have new teams in the league. One new team in the league this year, and that is the Savannah Ghost Pirates, who are, by the way, going to be playing next weekend, Friday night in Fort Wayne. They will be playing the Fort Wayne Comets. That is the closest that they are going to get. That is the closest they're going to get this year, and they're going to have Daron Harrison, Jordan Panini. And goaltending on the defensive side, Tristan Thompson, Darian Shaluk. Nobody really that uh, familiar to the Toledo side of things. Uh, the Walleye announced today, uh, excuse me, Grand Rapids announced today the sending of three players to the organization. And they are as follows. It will be Seth, Seth Burton has been assigned to Toledo. Sebastian Costa, goaltender, has been assigned and Trenton Bliss has been signed to Toledo for this upcoming for them to send as they are sent down from Grand Rapids to Toledo to help Toledo start the 2022-2023 campaign. When you look at the walleye schedule for this upcoming season, it is as followed. The walleye will not have any home games this upcoming season, the upcoming month of October. They are on the road for the most for the most of the month. Uh they will have let's see here. They will start the campaign on Saturday night, the twenty second of October, in Wheeling. That puck drop seven ten puck drop for that game. Like I said the roster is set um for them. And uh, let me pull up the schedule for the walleye this upcoming season. 
see here. I mean, Kurt Goslin, she used to play for Cincinnati. Gordy Meyer. I like the picture, Gordy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good season, I think, for the for the fish. I really, really do. Um, pull it up here really quickly. And the campaign this year is "Our Fish, Our Fight, and Our Fans" is the caption for this upcoming season for the walleye. Uh, let me go over the schedule for you guys really quickly. As like I said, they will be in Wheeling on Saturday and Sunday. They, and they will head to Kalamazoo on the 29th to play the Wings. Friday, November 4th, they're in Kalamazoo to battle the Wings. And then Saturday, November 5th, 7-15 puck drop at the Bank Tank. It will be the Fish taking on the Cincinnati Cyclones. Wednesday, the 9th of November, which is a Wednesday at morning game, they'll take on the Wheeling Nailers. Before traveling to Cal to Fort Wayne, Friday, November 11th for an eight o'clock drop. Then they return back home that Saturday, November 12th, to battle the Kalamazoo Wings. The teams to the games to look forward to this upcoming season that we usually don't play. Uh, they will be in Norfolk this year for three games: December 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th. The day before Christmas Eve, they will play the Wheeling Nailers. Here's the big one. Circle this date. It will be Tuesday, December 27th. It is a rematch of the Kelly Cup playoffs from 2019 as the Newfoundland Growlers come to the Huntington Center for the first time in the regular season. So get your tickets for that one. Uh, they go to Iowa January 20th and 21st and 22nd. Uh, Kansas City comes to the bank tank on February 3rd, my birthday, to take on the, the walleye. Uh, let's see here. Uh, looking at it. Wichita comes to Toledo this February 25th and 26th. Um, yes, and Gaudreau just scored. It's now 3-2 Jackets. Came in on a breakaway, and he just scored. Here's the big slate. March 24th, they are hosting the Reading Royals. The 25th and 26th, they host the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. And then April 2nd, Jack, the Walleye, welcome in South Carolina. And then they finish up the 15th of April at home against Kalamazoo. And April 16th, a Sunday, against Fort Wayne. Got to make mention of it really, really quickly. Got to pull up some team, pull up one team in particular. I would like to pull it up for you guys. Um, let's see here. Uh, my goodness, my goodness, I'm not fully prepared for this. Here it is. I want to talk about Fort Wayne really quickly. Fort Wayne is going to have the Ghost Pirates in Friday, October 28th, and then Saturday, October 29th for at the Allen Callen War Memorial. Uh, if you're looking for another time, another good game team to come to Allen County, the Allen Americans come. 
uh, let's see here, pulling it up. I'm just pulling it up because I want to prove a point here for a second. I want to prove a point here for a second. They go to Savannah in February. They go to Atlanta. The Fort Wayne Comets do. Seeing who, if they host anybody else, good. They go. They host South Carolina on a Saturday. Play a lot of indie. And there's that. Um, Cincinnati wise, looking at their schedule, because I know some some teams play some some teams very often. They play Allen November sixteenth and eighteenth. There's that. Um, see who Cincinnati's gonna play. They host Newfoundland for three straight games. January 25th, January 27th, and January 28th at Heritage Bank. That's huge. That's that's huge. Um, they host Norfolk. They host Tulsa. They host Tulsa. That's huge. Um, they travel out to Utah for three straight games. Host South Carolina. And then they finish up the season in Kansas City. So there's that. And one more team to look at. I always like to look at the three teams that are locally around us besides Toledo. So Fort Wayne, Cincinnati. We're going to look at Kalamazoo really quickly. Kalamazoo's schedule. And and I'm bringing this up because because they could because Kalamazoo could and the the walleye can schedule good better teams than just the average. You know Fort Wayne and Kalamazoo, yeah, and you you play them in division. I understand that. Kalamazoo travels to Florida twice to play the Everblades, defending Cali Cup champions. They also go to Orlando to play the the Solar Bears. Let's see, they play Newfoundland twice for on New Year's Eve. Twice. Let's see here. Anybody good? Anybody in particular besides Newfoundland? Host Tulsa for three straight games. Um, do, 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 and that's it. So Kalamazoo's got a little bit of a slight, slighter edge schedule, but they go to Florida for three straight games. Two in Florida against the Everblades, and one against uh, one against the Solar Bears. So. There's that. I've always been a consideration of why can't Toledo get better, you know, better teams to come into the barn to play. You know, I like to see a Savannah. I like to see. Uh, I like to see a, a Travos. I like to see. Uh, I like to see Norfolk come. I like to see more. I like to see a Atlanta again. I like to see a Jacksonville come to the Huntington Center. I would love to see Savannah come this year. I I like their jerseys. I want to see what they actually look like. Bit of me thinking we should make that trek. Bit of me thinking that we should make that trek. And that'll be next Friday. So we'll see. We'll see how it happens. But uh, looking forward to this upcoming walleye season. The walleye on the ice Saturday night in Wheeling to take on the Wheeling Nailers. And that is the walleye roundup as you're listening to all in the offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. 
Thank you for tuning in. And now we hit to the end of our program tonight. Let's talk a little other sports as well as WWE coming to the Huntington Center. It's time to look at some other sports and other news around the sports world. Of course, let's dive into the Major League Baseball playoffs. And unfortunately, the Guardians were beaten by the New York Yankees in five games this past weekend. And uh, a good season for the Guardians this upcoming year. They Now the Yankees are battling the Houston Astros. The Astros getting the better of the Yankees last night in Game 1 of the ALCS. Um, we'll see how they are going to perform tonight as Game 2 is underway as we speak in Minute May, formerly Minute Maid Park. Um, as Game Game 2 is going on as we speak. Right now, it is the top, excuse me, the top of the fifth inning. The Astros are up 3-2 on the Yankees. The Astros lead the series one game to nothing. In the National League, it was the Padres getting the better of the Phillies yesterday afternoon, as is the Phillies and the Padres for the National League Championship Series. The series now heads to Philadelphia in this best-of-seven series. And it will be tomorrow. It will be Musgrove on the bump for San Diego, who's 1-0 with a 1.38 ERA. Take on Suarez, who is 0-0 with a 2.70 ERA, 731st pitch on FS1. Saturday slate, 5.07 on TBS. It'll be Garrett Cole, who's 2-0 with a 2.03 in the Bronx, taking on a pitcher that's, that Dusty Baker has not yet named. Game 4, the NLCS will be 7.45 on Fox. It'll be the Phillies taking on the Padres on that aspect. So there is the baseball. So again, congratulations to the Guardians and American League Central Division champions, and we'll hopefully see them see them back into the swing of things this upcoming baseball season. So for F Lucas's sake, I hope the Phillies keep going. Hope the Phillies stay in it and keep going. So there is that for you guys. So also got to make mention of this, the LPGA into full swing as well as they are now over in the Republic of Korea, as they are getting ready to tee off for the for tee times right now as we play. Uh, over at the BMW Ladies Championship right now, it is led by Takanakin, who is 9 under par. Miso Kim at 8 under par. Aileen Kim is tied for 3rd at 6 under par with Andrea Lee and Seon Hong. Uh, tied for 6 at 4 under par is Minji Lee, Lean Graham, Grant, Henjin Choi, uh, Andrew Parison, and Jennifer Cupcho. Uh, Liddy Coe tied at four under par with Allison Lee and Lydia View. And uh, Brittany Adamire three under par. Nasa Hadakoa, four, three under par, tied for 14th. Leonor McGuire, two under par, tied for, tied for 23rd. Oh, boy. Fan just got plucked in the, plucked hard. Um, Mira Fossey, the defending... Dana Open champion playing in this tournament. She is one over par, tied for 46. So there is that for you guys. Um, NBA is fully in full swing, too. Forgot to make mention of that. Uh, you know, and everybody keeps asking me, are you going to talk NBA this upcoming season on your podcast? Not really. And NBA is not my strong suit. So if you're looking for basketball coverage, this is not the place for you. I'm just going to tell you that straight up. But, of course, uh, tonight uh, the Bucks are taking on the 76ers on TNT. And the light cap will be the Clippers and the Lakers, 10 o'clock tip on TNT. And I do want to give congratulations to Ernie Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, Kenny the Jet Smith, and Sir Charles Barkley as they re-up their contract with TNT 
for a 10-year deal in the ballpark over $100 million. So congratulations to those gentlemen. And they are probably the best, the best analysts when it comes to, to basketball. They are the best. They are the best. So there is that for you. Um, Got to make mention NASCAR for you guys. So we're coming down to the home stretch of the NASCAR series. Uh, did anybody see the fight between Bubba Wallace and uh, Larson? Unbelievable. Uh, for him to do that, and he's going to be suspended for one race. Going to be suspended for ra- one race. So good on them. Good on good on them. As Logano wins the race, Chastain in second, Kyle Busch in third, and like I mentioned before, uh, Chris he got into it with Christopher Bell. So we'll see how that's all going to shake out. Uh, the NASCAR NASCAR uh, playoff standings look like this. Uh, it's Logano, Chastain, Elliott. And Hamlin, all holding the top spots in that realm. Um, and again, the big one, uh, Formula One, got to make mention really quickly, which is this weekend, which is the the U.S. Grand Prix happening this pe- upcoming weekend in Austin, ta- Texas. Be Max Verstappen trying to defend his championship there. So, got to give mention of that. Uh, practice is on Saturday. And qualifying will be Saturday night, and the race is Sunday, 3 p.m. in Austin, Texas. But uh, got to make mention really quickly. Uh, tomorrow night at the Huntington Center in the Bank Tank, it will be WWE's Friday Night SmackDown coming to you from the Huntington Center. Uh, it is going to be, I think, probably a good card. I really think it's going to be a really good card for for WWE. Uh, looking at the card for WWE's for SmackDown tomorrow night, it looks like it's going to be Logan Paul. It's going to make an appearance. Um, uh, to preview the preview of the whole weekend. Yeah, Logan Paul going to be there at the on Friday night SmackDown. You also have the mat some of the matches that you'll see at Friday night SmackDown in Toledo. You'll see the Miz. Facing Matt Riddle. You also have. You also will have here. It looks like Bray White is going to be back. There. And so it will be Omas is going to be there as well. Uh, 
So there is that. So that's good. That I mean, it's going to be a good card. WWE does a good job with with the shows. Um, I'm just looking quickly on the Huntington Center's Facebook page before I continue on. Uh, they have less than a hundred tickets remaining for Friday nights for Friday Night SmackDown. The card will look like this: it'll be Logan Paul plus Drew McIntyre. Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey, Braun Strowman, and the Usos will be the attendance. Uh, it will be at the Huntington Center at the Bank Tank tomorrow night. So there is that. That's Logan Paul is, spe- is scheduled to face Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship at Crown Jewel, which is in a few weeks. Uh, he's getting trained by Shawn Michaels ahead of the match against him upcoming. So there is that for you guys. Um, so yeah, less than 100 tickets remain. If you want to get tickets, I got my ticket. It was about $20. It's a good it's a good price. A good price for the ticket. I I you know, I wasn't even planning on going. And I decided to, you know, decide to go, and I got a ticket, good spot. If you see me, I'll probably be wearing black because I'm I'm a Miz fan. The only reason why I would go is because I found out I found out on Monday that the Miz was going to wrestle at the Huntington Center. So I was like, oh, the Miz is wrestling. Kind of like that. I kind of like that. So. See how that see how that's all gonna shake out. I mean I liked what I saw. I like what I saw going forward. I think the, the Bray Wyatt situation is gonna be interesting to see how that's gonna shake out. Um I I like kinda like the rebranding of Baron Corbin to with JBL. I like that. So so there is that for you guys. Um, yeah, I'm just surprised that they haven't had. Just surprised that they haven't they haven't posted anything. On the rest of the remainder of the card is going to be. So we'll see how that all shakes out. As you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now we've hit the end of our program tonight. And it's now time for Andy Rants. So it's now time for Andy Rants tonight. And I want to say again, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet on our podcast, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts each week right here on All Andy Alford. So it's time for Andy Rants tonight. And you know, to me it's it's been an interesting it's been an interesting so far year in college football with the shakeups and everything like that. And we had three great games last week. Um but the big one today but getting into sports and everything like that, you know, everybody everybody's been asking me about this sports gambling situation. Well, the Lee, the Ohio Gaming Commission came out with their announcement on Wednesday 
that FanDuel and Barstool Sports have been are now in a full agreement, and they now have their full licensing for the state of Ohio to 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 begin operation as of January first, and I think it's great to see. Um, they also announced the list of the participants, the the restaurants, businesses that have put their names on the list to do gambling, which is they will be, and what we are told is this, it will be a, if you are selling Ohio Lottery products, whether it be Kino, whether it be scratch-off tickets, whether it be paper tickets, you'll, you're, you can qualify to get a gaming license to do sports betting. And what we're told is that there will be three, there'll be two different booths. You'll have your one booth that you'll do your keynotes and all your other games. And then there will be another booth where you'll have internet access to internet access to um, updated lines and updating scoring and updating stuff. And you could do betting, win and loss, win bet, win bet, loss bet, uh, over under. You can also parlay as well as... Um, I forget the the final thing. You can match match bet. That's it. Match bet. So and it's all going to be done by the. Oh yes! Oh my goodness! Before I continue on, what I was just saying, Justin Danforth just tied this hockey game up. It's three three. I'm sitting here in the man cave. Three goals. It's three free chili. That's free chili from Roosters. By the way, the new Roosters just opened here in Toledo. And they will honor the chili coupon. But we were told they were honor- they are going to honor the chili coupon. So I got some free chili to enjoy possibly tomorrow night. So, but anyway, gaming wise, uh, that's how it's going to shake out. Um, if you haven't do it, go do it. Download the Barstool Sportsbook app. It is clearly uh, it's probably one of my favorite apps to use to see what the opening lines and the scoring lines are for games. Uh, I use it here for our our podcast. And uh, yeah, you know it's 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 a great it's a great app to see to make an honest bet, and they and they do and they do a great job. It's all through Penn Ga- Gaming. So and Penn Gaming is owning of the Hollywood Casinos. They will have two Barstool Sportsbook Sportsbooks in the Hollywood one in the Hollywood Casino in Toledo, and the other one in the ho- in the Hollywood Casino in Columbus. So there's that for you guys. Um, Got to make mention of this too. Last week we got a chance on Friday night to head up to Frankenmuth, Michigan, and we lost two dear people to in Frankenmuth. Of course, first I want to talk about uh, the the one of the two big matriarchs of the of Frankenmuth right now, and that is um, Wally Bronner's wife passed away. Um, she was Wally, one of the nicest people you ever meet. We got a, my family got a chance to meet her. And got our picture taken with Wally Bronner, and and it should and he is probably he was one of the nicest people out there, for one of the nicest people out. He was respectful, caring. He really loved Christmas, and he loved and he loved the city of Frankenmuth, and she loved it as much as he loved it. She was a a proud a proud member of the community and a proud member of the of the Michigan Bay Area community. So our thoughts and prayers are with the Bronner's family and in their time of need. 
and uh, funerals on Saturday. So our thoughts and prayers are with her as she's buried to rest. Uh, but the big one, of course, another big one was Judy Zender. She is the owner and proprietor of the Bavarian Inn Lodge. Uh, we've done this show many of times from the Bavarian Inn Lodge, and uh, some of the best resor- one of the best resorts in all of Michigan and Mid Michigan area, um, with the pools and the and the gaming room and the game rooms and the mini putt putt and you know the family atmosphere and the history. Of Germany, and she's also a, a member of, a member of the Bavarian Inn restaurant as well. Um, she lost her battle to cancer. Uh, it was announced yesterday that she died. Um, so our thoughts and prayers are with the city of Frankenmuth for this for these two beautiful ladies who has meant so much to their to the community of Frankenmuth, Michigan. And to every and into the into the community that is Frankenmuth and the community that is the Michigan Bay region area. So our thoughts and prayers are with them. And I also want to send a special thoughts and prayers to Jackson. Um, he was a graduate of the Toledo School for the Arts. He graduated in 2010. Uh, he was a good f- a fan of the show. Um, he was a big hockey fan. Uh, he would talk hockey with me, and um, our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family as uh, he passed on. Uh, tonight was his showing over at Newcomer, so our thoughts and prayers are with him and the TSA family as we've lost so we've lost a few, so many people this past year. We lost Dominic, now we've lost Jackson. So our thoughts and prayers are with the TSA community and with all of their family and friends. Our thoughts and prayers are with you guys. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, it's going to be all for all Andy Alford tonight on the Anchor Network tonight. We'll be back on the air on Tuesday night for a, another edition, uh, back to our normal schedule on Tuesday night for, to recap the NFL slate, to recap week seven of the National Football League and recap week eight in the National Football League right here on all Andy Alford as well as, Recapping the Jackets game tonight as Justin Danforth just tied it. It's tied at three with five minutes to go in the third period. I'm going to head upstairs to watch it on the big television here in the, as I have a small television here in the in the Man Cave Studios. But um, we'll see how that all shakes out. So until I talk to you guys next week, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And remember to wear a mask and keep safe. And to the teams you root for at home, and to my teams, go Jackets! Get the job done tonight against the Predators. Go Walleye. Have a great season. Good luck, Gordy. Get it done. Let's go Falcons. Get the job done in Mount Pleasant. Let's go State. Ohio State. By the way, Michigan and Michigan State on the bye this week. Let's go Buffalo. Come on, Lions. Give me a win. Mm. Let's see what happens with the Browns this weekend. And go Michigan and go and go bowling green hockey. Love you guys. And remember to hit them straight. More birdies and less bogeys. Because victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat. Have a great rest of the week and a good weekend, ladies and gentlemen. I'll talk to you guys on Tuesday for another edition of All Andy Alfred. I love you. Talk to you then.
This has been a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor. You've been listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you again for tuning into the show tonight. You can be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. The podcast is performed each week right here on the Anchor Network.